Have you been going around the internet looking for the Ornament Baseball Podcast? Well, you've just found it. On the Dugout Report, we'll cover not only the latest news from across Major League Baseball, but we'll also analyze and break down the hottest games, players, stats, and takes from every aspect of the game, including from on the field, in the dugout and clubhouse, from the front office, and so much more. As longtime White Sox broadcaster Ken the Hawk Harrelson would say, sit back, relax, and strap it down. This is the Dugout Report Podcast with Andrew Caruso. Hello everyone and a very happy Sunday to you, wherever you may be. This is episode 6 of the Dugout Report on this Sunday, February 6, 2022. I am your host, Andrew Caruso, returning to the mic after a brief two-week hiatus due to unforeseen circumstances. More on that in a little bit. Anyways, on this episode... I'll give my thoughts on the results of the Baseball Hall of Writers vote for the Hall of Fame. Next, I'll cover the Yankees' historic hire of Rachel Balkovic and her being the first female manager to manage an affiliate in professional baseball. After that, I'll cover the latest news surrounding the walkout, surrounding the walkout as meetings have ramped up in recent days and there have been some major developments as a result of those meetings. Next, I'll cover the news surrounding a trio of retirements from MLB, the retirements of pitchers John Buster and Francisco Liriano, and the retirement of outfielder Melky Cabrera. Lastly, as has been the custom for the past few weeks, we'll cap off the episode with another free agent profile, which you listeners voted for on Twitter. Stay tuned till the end to find out who our spotlighted player this week is. Before we jump into covering the latest baseball headlines, I hope everyone is doing well. I'd, I'd like to first off apologize for not having an episode over the last few weeks. If you saw my tweet from last weekend, my computer broke and I couldn't make a new episode with a broken laptop since I do everything for the show on it, including writing the script, recording the episode with Soundtrap, editing, and re- editing the recording, and uploading the completed episode to all the platforms. So without a laptop, I couldn't do any of that which meant no episode. I have a new laptop now, so that issue has been resolved. The weekend before that was the end of the fall semester at my high school, so I had homework to complete throughout the week before it ended. I usually work on the script little by little during the week while balancing school and all my other obligations. During that week, all my attention was focused on doing my work, and also the obligations left no time for me to work on the script for this episode. And also I was um, tired after was tired and didn't have the energy to work on work on the script so <laughs> um I know I know I know the the west in the last episode a few weeks back I promised a more consistent schedule in the new year but as but these last two weeks were full of unseen circumstances that I couldn't prepare for. So as a result, I had to watch the release schedule for the show. But we're back this week, and I appreciate your patience and understanding as a result of these difficulties. If you missed the if you missed the last episode from a few weeks ago, you can listen to that episode and previous editions of the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Also, I want to remind you that you can follow the show on Twitter at DugoutRepPod. That's Dugout, R-E-P, Pod. While you're at it, follow my personal Twitter feed and my new Instagram page at AndrewCaruso77. Again, postings on Instagram will be infrequent, so Twitter will remain the primary face to place to follow and connect with me and the show. But for those of you that don't have Twitter but have Instagram, you finally have a way to connect with me. 
However, Twitter will continue being the only way to follow this show on socials. And if enough of you show support, I'll consider creating an Instagram for the show. But that's pretty far down the line since I only signed up a couple weeks ago for Instagram. That's enough social media talk for one day, and we've got a lot to cover, so we can't waste any more time. And with that being said, let's head and dug out to talk baseball. Our top story this week is that the baseball writers have spoken and made their picks for the Hall of Fame. On January 25th, the Baseball Writers Association of America elected David Ortiz to the Hall of Fame as the seventh and final member of the class of 2022, with 77.9% of the vote. Joining the six individuals who were voted in during the Veterans Committee meeting in December, those individuals are Buck O'Neill, Bud Fowler, Gil Hodges, Minnie Minoso, Tony Oliva, and Jim Cott. Ortiz only bec- becomes only the fifth Red Sox to be elected on his first ballot, joining Ted Williams, Carl Yastrzemski, Pedro Martinez, and Wade Boggs. He is also just the fourth Dominican ever elected to Cooperstown, joining Martinez, as well as Juan Marichal and Vladimir Guerrero Sr. Meanwhile, Kurt Schilling, Kurt Schilling Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and Sammy Sosa failed to to receive above 75% of the vote in their final year of eligibility, meaning that those four fall off the vote. However, Bonds, Clemens, and Chilling are eligible for induction next year as the whole today's game committee meets this December. As for my thoughts with, on the voting results, I'm really happy to see that Big Poppy, Poppy was elected, and I knew it was coming, despite the fact that I'm a Yankees fan. Also, him getting elected on his first shot is just impressive. As for my thoughts on the three key players who fell off the ballot this year, I was very surprised to see that they weren't inducted, especially Bonds and Clemens, since the Hall of Fame ballot tracker from uh, Ryan Thibodeau, or I don't know how to pronounce his name, so Ryan on online, uh, not Mr. Tibbs on Twitter, had them of had had the three three of them above seventy five percent in the days days leading up to the election results. I know those guys have had controversies tied to them with P with performance enhancing drugs and other things, but I think the writers should only focus on the numbers and stats when making their picks when making their picks for the whole thing and not other factors like the performance enhancing drugs. I'm sure plenty of you would agree with me that the voting system for the Hall of Fame is just an absolute joke. And they should let the fans, baseball historians and a selection of living Hall of Famers vote for the new and inductees, people who actually know baseball. If they went with this system, I'm sure Bonds, Clemens, and maybe Schilling would be in. If I could vote for Hall of Fame candidate, I would vote, vote I would have voted for the three of them in addition to Ortiz, and I posted my hypothetical ballot on Twitter a few weeks back. Do you agree with my stance on Cooperstown and their terrible voting system? Let me know what you think. Our next story for the episode surrounds a historic hire in baseball, as on January 12th, the New York Yankees tapped Rachel Balkovic to manage their low-A affiliate, the Tampa Tarpons, making her the first woman to manage an affiliated team in professional baseball. 
Balkovic joined the Yankees organization in 2019 and was previously the hitting coach for the Yankee, Yankees rookie-level Florida Coast League team. She coached, the, coached in Australia during the canceled 2020 minor league season and was named to the coaching staff for the All-Star Futures game during All-Star Week at Coors Field this past summer. Overall, she has been coaching in professional baseball for 10 years. In a statement on the historic move, Commissioner Manfred said, quote, On behalf of Major League Baseball, I congratulate Rachel on this historic milestone. As manager of the Tampa Tarpons, she will continue to demonstrate her experience and leadership in the Yankees organization. We wish Rachel well in this new capacity and appreciate her mentorship to the growing role, growing network of women in baseball operations and player development roles. The commissioner then went on to say, quote, when Kim Eng was hired as the general manager of the Miami Marlins prior to the 2021 season, it was a meaningful step forward. I am pleased to see the game continue to make important progress at various levels. Major League Baseball is committed to providing a supportive environment for women and girls to pursue our sport as players, coaches, umpires, and executives. We are proud of Rachel, new director of player development, Sarah Goodrum of the Astros, and all the women across our sport who are setting a positive example for the next for our next generation of fans and proving, proving on and off the field that baseball is a game for everyone. Close quote. Needless to say, I'm thrilled to see this glass ceiling finally broken in the game. We've seen multiple of these ceilings broken throughout baseball over the last few years with various coaching, broadcasting, and front office hires, and Balkovic's hiring adds one more to that list which I hope continues to grow over the next few years. I think I've gotten a, got a good reason to hop on a plane and fly down to Tampa now. I can't wait to make that happen. Again, let me know what y'all think about this great news. We still have a lot more news to cover, so don't go away. Stay tuned. Next up, it's time for some more news surrounding the lockout, lockout, lockout. Meetings between the players and, and union have ramped, ramped up and both sides had their most recent meeting this past Tuesday. During this meeting, the players made a proposal to end the lockout. However, the owners refused to make a counteroffer to their proposal. To their proposal. Thus, on Thursday, MLB asked the Federal Mediation Council Constellation Services for their assistance in ending the walkout, which marked its second month this past Wednesday and with two weeks to go before the start of spring training. However, later that night, hours after the league initiated this request, the Athletic reported that the MLBPA was, was going to decline the league's offer, and on Friday, the players released a statement saying, in part, part quote, the owner refused to make a counteroffer and instead requested mediation. After consultation with our executive board and taking into account a variety of factors, we have declined this request, close quote. These recent developments have most certainly put spring training and the start of season at risk of being delayed. Players are scheduled to report to camp in about a week, and the season is scheduled to begin on March 31st. MLB sent a memo to teams telling a few days ago telling them not to move up the start of camp due to the lockout. The league said in a statement on Friday is that, quote, our, 
Our goal is to have players on the field and fans in ballparks for spring training and opening day. Quote, and that involves and said that involving a federal mediator in the negotiation would be the best way to bridge any gaps and speed up the time for an agreement. Due to this news, I'm not feeling optimistic that the season will start in time, which is disappointing since us, since uh, since we as fans have been through so much in the past few years due to the pandemic impacting the game we love. I'm, sh- I'm sure all of us were looking to we're looking forward to a more normal season, and this recent news makes it seem less likely that it's going to happen. If we had a different commissioner, none of this would have happened. Let me know what you think of these recent developments, and if you agree with me, agree with me. Do you think the season is going to start on time, or do you think the season will be delayed? The most likely spring training will be delayed, but what about the regular season? Let me know what you guys think. Our last major story is covering the retirements of three long-time MLB veterans as John Lester, Melky Cabrera, and Francisco Liriano have hung up their spikes and retired from baseball. Lester announced his retirement on January 12th, Cabrera announced his on January 14th, and Liriano announced his on January 18th. So we saw three retirements in about the span of six days. In 16 seasons, with the Red Sox, Athletics, Nationals, Cubs, Nationals, and Cardinals, John Boy started a 200-117 record with 2,488 career strikeouts while pitching to a 3.66 earned run average. During his career, he won three World Series rings, two with the Red Sox and one with the Cubs. He was a five-time All-Star and won the 2016 NLCS MVP, which he shared with teammate Javier Baez. He also led the National League in wins during the 2018 season. On May 19, 2008, as a member of the Sox, he pitched a no-hitter versus the Kansas City Royals less than two years after beating Lymphoma. He also started in the opening game of a playoff series 12 times, which is an MLB record. Do you think Lester is bound for the whole of the Cooperstown in five years with his lengthy list of accomplishments? I think he has the potential for it, but I want to hear your thoughts. Let me know. Melky Cabrera last appeared in the big leagues in 2019 and spent 15 seasons as a journeyman outfielder, as a journeyman outfielder with the Yankees, Braves, Royals, Giants, Blue Jays, White Sox, Indians, and Pirates. During that span, he compiled compiled a batting batting average of 1,962 1, career hits, 144 homers, and 854 RBIs. He was a member of the Yankees' 2009 World Series winning team and the 2012 Giants when they won the World Series. That season, he was named to the, his only All-Star team where he won the All-Star MVP and received the highest amount of votes for an NL outfielder that year. However, he tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs or PEDs a month later and he was suspended for 50 games, effectively ending his season. Francisco Liriano Francisco Liriano also last appeared in the Bigs in 2019 after opting out of the 2020 season. In 14 seasons as a pitcher, he played for the Twins, White Sox, Blue Jays, Astros, and Pirates. He had his most successful Minnesota, where he was named an All-Star in 2006, and he pitched a no-hitter versus no-hitter in 2011. He won the Comeback Player of the Year twice in 2012, 2010, excuse me, in 2013 and was a member of the infamous 2017 World Champion Astros. 
He finishes his career with a win-loss record of 112 and 114, 1,815 Ks, and a career ERA of 415. Congratulations to Liriano and the other two guys on solid careers, careers, and uh, thanks to th- thank to them for their contributions to our game. We've reached the en- we're reaching the end of the episode, so now it's time to reveal the player for this week's free agent profile. That's coming up, so don't go away. To cap off the episode, it's time for another edition of a free agent profile. This week, as always, I had y'all vote between four players in a poll posted to the show's Twitter page. This week's players were Kyle Schwarber, Jorge Soler, Anderson Simmons, and Danny Duffy. Schwarber won won the poll with both votes on both with both votes on it going to him. So it's going to be our spotlighted free agent this week. Follow the show on Twitter so you don't miss the opportunity opportunity to vote in future polls. Now let's dive into his profile. Schwarber is primarily left-handed left-handed hitting outfielder and designated hitter. But he's also played as a but he also he played as a catcher early early in his career. He attended Middletown High School in Middletown, Ohio, where he played baseball. He went to college at Indiana University where he also played baseball and with more and one more multiple All-American honors during his college career. He was a finalist for the Johnny Bench Award and played for the uh, played on the U.S. Collegiate National Team as well. The Chicago Cubs selected him with the first, fourth overall pick in the 2014 MLB Draft, and in 2015, he was named to the All-Star Futures Game. He made his MLB, game, MLB debut shortly afterwards. During his career, Schwarber has spent time with the Cubs, Nationals, and Red Sox. He was a member of the 2016 Cubs that broke the curse of the Bowie Goat by winning the World Series after 108 years. He was also an NL All-Star in 2021. During the 2021 season spent between the Nats and the Red Sox, Schwarber played in 113 and in 399 at-bats. He hit 296 with 32 homers, 71 RBIs with an OBP of 374 and an OPS of 928. According to the latest rumors from before the lockout, Schwarber had a large market with MLB John, MLB, MLB John Heyman reporting that the Rockies, Marlins, Phillies, Nationals, and Red Sox were interested in the slugger. As you can see, a number of these teams are in the National League, which currently does not have the DH rule in effect. However, it's possible that the DH could permanently be coming to the National League National League this year after it was used in the after it was used there during the shortened 2020 season. None of these NL teams have someone who could easily fit the DH spot, so by signing Schwarber, those teams would have someone to slot in the lineup as an everyday DH. The Nationals have already seen what Schwarber can do at the plate since he has spent the first half of 2021 with them and he did really well there on his way to the All-Star team. The Phillies could also be an interesting team, as Schwarber could team up with Bryce Harper to absolute mash over there. How it fit with the Red Sox would be interesting to look at, since they're look at since they're an AL team, 
with an already solid DH in J.D. Martinez. All in all, it'll be interesting to see how Schwarber's market market mark will, will play out once the lockout is lifted and where he ends up going. What do you think, Yosan? I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Let me know. That concludes another edition of Free Agent Profiles. Stay tuned to Twitter so you can vote on next week's Free Agent. We've sadly reached the end of the episode, so but closing remarks are coming right up. So keep listening and don't go away. So, that concludes the end of the episode 6 of the Dugout Report. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Once again, as a reminder, you can follow the show on Twitter, at DugoutRepPod, and my personal Twitter and Instagram pages, at Enterprises77. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and YouTube. Please share this episode with your friends and on social media. That's it for this week, and so this is your host, Andrew Caruso, signing off. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening, and so long, everyone.